Welcome back to Goal Line Stuff, the show where we talk about anything and everything football related. I'm Alex Kjorkchev. And I'm Michael San Antonio. And boy, do we have a show for you today. On our agenda today, uh, we have a lot of good stuff. Um, first, we're going to get into the Steelers versus Vikings game. Talk about a little bit about what we saw happen. Then we're going to go and talk about some coaches who we think were on, are on the hot seat. After we talk about some coaches, we're going to look and deviate to some quarterbacks and some quarterback situations for teams that we want to talk about. And then we're going to go over some award predictions, specifically MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year talk. And then we're going to talk about, you know, some other uh, interesting facts about the season so far, and then some game predictions. Does that sound good, Alex? That sounds fantastic. Awesome. Okay. So... For our first topic, we will be talking about the Steelers versus Vikings game. Alex, how did you feel about this game? I honestly, I'm not as big of a fan as everyone else was because, well, I picked the Vikings to win. So the the first half was very exciting for me. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be right. And it's, it's good. I'm not a personal, uh, very big fan of, of the Steelers. So anytime they lose, I'm kind of kind of happy especially because the way they acted last year after being 11-0 namely Chase Claypool who we'll get into that one later oh yes we will but then also seeing the Vikings blow the lead the way they did is just painful to watch I'm not a big Vikings fan either I really dislike the Vikings but after seeing them dominate and then just blow it like that it it hurts to watch a team just implode like that so I really wasn't a fan of the game, as exciting as the end was. Yeah, I, I really wasn't a fan either. I mean, it's two teams who both aren't that great this year. Both of them kind of didn't quite meet expectations from the get-go. And it was a game that started off very boring. It was just a blowout. Dalvin Cook had over 150 rushing yards in the first half alone, finished with over 200 yards, 205 to be exact. And, you know, he was running all over that Pittsburgh defense, even with that injured shoulder. He looked fantastic. Justin Jefferson, who we're going to talk about later a little bit, but arguably you could make a case for being the best receiver this season. Cooper Cup, you know, there, there's some other names there, but Justin Jefferson's been incredible. So uh, he had a great start to the game, but then, you know, he had a drop and Kirk Cousins was overthrowing him and making all these bad passes and decisions. And then, just like that, the Vikings blew a 28-point lead, or almost blew it. And, you know, it came down to Pat Fryermuth just not being able to take in that last catch. Uh, I thought the ending was exciting, but like, like I said, I mean, the Vikings just keep putting themselves in these awful situations. They keep blowing leads. And <laughs> I just don't know how much longer Mike Zimmer or Kirk Cousins are going to have jobs with this organization if, you know, this keeps happening. Don't forget Rick Spielman, the GM, too. I think that the Vikings are going to clean house next year. Uh, we'll, we'll get a little more into how they're going to do that in a couple minutes here, but there were some really bad mistakes this game. The, there was, it was offensive fireworks kind of at the end with how high scoring it was, but there were some bad plays, some bad drops, uh, some bad passes, some very, very, very painfully stupid mistakes made by certain people. Uh, you want to get in that? Yeah, uh, the stupid people we're talking about is one person is Chase Claypool. And Chase Claypool 
despite the stat line looked good, eight catches, 93 yards, especially towards the end, he made some huge catches that almost put the Steelers in a position to win, but he got benched early in the game for, for many stupid, many stupid things. He made multiple mistakes, very costly penalty that cost the Steelers what was looking like a promising drive. And yeah, so he got benched and then, you know, they put him in late in the game. He makes some big catches and he proceeds to celebrate instead of rushing the ball and getting the ball to the line. And it loses the Steelers about five to 10 seconds. So there's that. And then after the game, when uh, the press conference and reporters talk to him, ask him about, you know, if he was at fault for anything, how he feels about the situation, how, you know, trying to just basically get an apology or get, you know, see how he's going to respond. Chase Claypool blames it on his offensive line, blames it on one of his offensive linemen. That's just super unprofessional. You don't want to see that out of a player, especially one as talented as Claypool. And, you know, I mean, he's kind of having an off year in his second year. He got a lot of hype his first year, hasn't quite lived up to expectations. And that's just something that has just been carrying over from one Steelers receiver to another. It's just pretty crazy. The immaturity just in this organization, it seems like with their superstar players, it really needs to stop. Mike Tomlin was not happy about it too. You could see post-game, he was not happy about Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more I could say about Chase Claypool. Do you want to talk about this, Alex? Yeah, um, you can't see me, but that whole time during what you were talking about Chase Claypool, I was laughing the entire time. (laughs) What is going through your head? With 30 seconds left, down a touchdown, no timeouts, and you catch a ball in the middle of the field. What is going through your head to celebrate the first down instead of bringing the ball back to the line of scrimmage so he can spike it? And, and then and then he shifts the blame to his line as if he's not at fault after he already made the stupid mistake taunting in the beginning of the game. He went back after getting benched and made the same mistake. It, it's just unfathomable to how you can do the same thing twice in one game after doing it all season. This is not the first time he's done this. And the way that uh, Big Ben and Mike Tomlin reacted after the game is just, it's telling to how the team feels about Chase Claypool, I feel. And he just can't keep doing that, especially like he is not good enough to be doing things like that. (laughs) Maybe someone like DeAndre Hopkins or Devonta Adams could get it could get away with that, but Chase Claypool is no Devonta Adams. So to see that cost the Steelers the game, essentially, with the way the Vikings were choking, it's kind of just sad. No, it is sad. And I just want to say quickly, before we get into this coach talk and coaches on the hot seat, I want to say that, like I said before, this has just been a never-ending pattern for the Steelers ever since Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, who, by the way, those two players were superstars doesn't give them an excuse to act like the way they were, but they were superstars. And then carries over to Juju and all the TikTok. No, no, that's not fair with Juju. Juju never did anything to like to the detriment of his team. He would just dance. Not to the detriment, but it was a major distraction last year. I'm not, I don't think it's the same level as this Claypool or Antonio Brown or Bell stuff situations, but it definitely was a distraction. And I disagree. He had to be reprimanded for it by Mike Tomlin. With Juju, the dancing on the logos, like, Yes, it put a target on his back and maybe motivated the other teams a little more, but it never really like hurt the team during the game. Whereas Claypool, you just see him in a vacuum. Obviously, he didn't like obviously he didn't lose them the game single-handedly, but those mistakes in the big moments that they were in 
you could argue that he that those mistakes lost him the game. Whereas Juju never did anything like that. He he was just being himself. That's that's fair. And I do actually agree with that point. I think Juju got way too much criticism for what he was doing. He was just being himself, having fun out there, but it was a distraction to the team. And the fact that Tomlin had to address it in front of everybody, talk to Juju personally and get him to stop doing it because defenses and other players were mad about it. I mean, it was a, it was a major distraction. So I do think it does need to be noted when talking about, you know, all the Steelers players who've had all these issues, but yeah, I don't think it's the same in the same realm as what Claypool did last night. But yeah, um, you can't be doing that as any any player in the NFL. You can't be doing that. And Claypool is going to have to start getting his act together if he wants to continue to be a starting receiver in this league. That's yeah, what it comes down to. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But ultimately, with this game, I don't think the Chase Claypool stuff is the big story. I think it's that the Vikings almost blew a 29-point lead. I was so sure that Mike Zimmer would be fired today because the game happened last night until the Vikings ended up winning. But ultimately, Mike Zimmer bought himself another few games until he gets canned. Mike Zimmer, just like his divisional rival, Matt Nagy, is a dead man walking. Mike Zimmer has has failed to bring this team any success for the last couple of years, and they always disappoint. They... They went into uh, New Orleans and beat the Saints a couple years ago in the playoffs, but then fizzled out against whatever team it was. It's escaping my mind right now. But anyway, they have not had as much playoff success as they should have. They, they nearly lost to the Saints two years before that with the Minneapolis Miracle. And the defense, for, for Mike Zimmer being the supposed defensive guru, their defense is always pretty putrid the last like since 2017 their defense has been very very bad and it feels like they always underachieve they blow these leads and every game is unnecessarily close so ultimately I think the Vikings need a restart and I think they're going to clean house I think they're going to fire Rick Spielman the GM I think they're going to fire Mike Zimmer I think Kirk Cousins is gone and it's going to be another rough couple years for Vikings fans will they do that I completely agree with you. Um, if you were talking, I couldn't quite catch you. Were you talking about the 2019 playoff? Yeah. Uh, they fizzled out versus the Niners, if you remember that game. Yeah, they got smoked. They got smoked by the Niners, and <laughs> that was right. kind of surprising. But, yeah, um, I agree with you there. I think the Vikings are clearing the house. I think Cousins is probably gone, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. He's having a good year, but he's not the best quarterback. And the Vikings just can't seem to win. And that's what you're paid to do as a coach. So I think Zimmer's gone. And yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about that. You pretty much covered all the points. I'm going to go to the other guy you just mentioned in the same division, Matt Nagy. We talked about him a little bit um, either, I think two episodes ago, we talked about him since it was that Thanksgiving sort of, um, you know, we talked about the Thanksgiving situation and how there were reports that he may have may be getting fired after the Thanksgiving game. And we both knew that that wasn't happening. We both realized that, you know, you can't trust reports like that. But he is definitely on the hot seat, that being said. And I do think Matt Nagy's gone after this year. The Bears have just been so awful. And, you know, they drafted Justin Fields, who I thought was a great player. And he hasn't looked the part so far, but he's young. I still think he has time to improve. That being said, though, the rest of the offense is just not it. You know, we've talked about Darnell Mooney and how much we like him, but Allen Robinson has had 
you could argue his worst career year. And it's, you know, partly in fault with from Matt Nagy and how awful this offense is run. You look on the defensive side of the ball, this is a defense that was supposed to be elite these last couple of years. And they really haven't lived up to expectations since 2019, the last two years. They just really haven't been that great. They have some superstars, uh, Khalil Max getting up there in age. Roquan Smith is obviously a great linebacker, but, you know, um, I just don't think Matt Nagy's put this team in enough positions to win. And, you know, uh, they tried with Mitch Trubisky. It didn't work. Now they tried one year with Justin Fields, tried to revamp that offense, tried to, you know, maybe get the defense back intact. And the Bears have been a very, very mediocre team. So I think he's gone after this year. And I don't think there's much more to say about that. You know, he tried. It worked one year with the Bears, but it's been three or four straight years of just mediocrity since then. So free the Chicago Bears offense with the personnel they have on that offense, the skill position core. There is no reason for their offense to be as bad as it is. Yes, Justin. Absolutely no reason. Yes, Justin Fields is young and needs time to develop. But with his running ability, you can easily not easily because obviously it's not easy to design an offense in the NFL, but you can design an offense around his running ability and then give him easy decisions to make with his receivers. They have an ability to get open or make contested catches. Allen Robinson is one of the top contested catch makers in the NFL and Darnell Moody is lightning fast and a great route runner. Not to mention David Montgomery is a very good running back. So to have players like that on your offense and then still quite frankly suck is inexcusable and i i am positive he'll be fired the mike zimmer and matt Nagy are the only two coaches i'm positive are going to be fired but there's definitely a few more on the hot seat um such as vic fangio of denver uh denver is a great roster the broncos are really really talented and it it reflects in their record they have these games sometimes where they play really well such as against Dallas. They smoked Dallas this year and they're six and six, which for a team that has Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback and has this offensive inconsistency and the the defense isn't all that great either. Well, the defense underperforms, I should say. The defense is very talented with Patrick Sertan and, and Bradley Chubb, but, and Justin Simmons. And they just don't play as well as they should. And I think that's because of Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio coached this incredible Chicago Bears defense a couple years ago in 2018, and that got him the head coaching job in Denver. But ever since he got hired there, he hasn't been able to do anything. Yes, he's been hampered by poor quarterbacks like Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, but I I don't think he's shown enough to prove himself that he deserves to coach another year for them. Um. I think he's the on the least hot seat out of all the coaches we're going to talk about. And ultimately, I think he's safe, but it's definitely worth monitoring that situation. Yeah, I would just like to say I agree with everything you just said. I think he has underperformed as a coach a little bit, but I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's on the hot seat for sure. I just don't think they're getting rid of him after this season, but you know, new GM, um, they got rid of Elway, so new GM. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't think, like I said, they're getting rid of him this year just because there's so much 
you know, uncertainties with the quarterback situation with that offense. I think they're going to try to give him some weapons, get some draft capital next year, try to, you know, put the Broncos in the best position to have a shot at the playoffs. And if he can't win with those pieces, if he can't win with the team he assembles next year, I think he's gone. But yeah, I do like the points you made. Definitely on the hot seat. Uh, I wouldn't say coach. hot seat. I'd call it warm. The yeah. Kane on a warm seat. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I definitely like that. Not hot, little warm seat. And we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Okay. Uh, the next coach I want to talk about is one who has been in the league for, it seems like since the NFL started, since, <laughs> since the early 1900s. <laughs> Pete Carroll, very old. We talked about him a little bit um, in one of our last segments. Um, and I think, you know, we both made it very clear that Pete Carroll has not been cutting it this year. And as of recent, yeah, I mean, he has Russell Wilson. He's assembled, you know, a great receiving core. Uh, but since then, you know, Russell Wilson has pretty much carried the Seahawks team in recent years. And this year he's proving that, you know, he's not Superman. Russell Wilson is not Superman, or at least he can't be Superman every single year. You know, that finger injury really has taken him out and he hasn't looked like the same Russell Wilson coming back. And Pete Carroll, in turn, I, I think it's really shown how weak the Seattle team is. You know, without Russell Wilson, this team really hasn't been able to do anything. DK Metcalf is having a severe down year and it's not really his fault. He still looks good. He's just not getting the ball like he should be. Lockett isn't getting the opportunities he should be. Chris Carson is hurt, but you know, the run game has kind of dwindled the last couple of weeks. This defense, which, you know, hasn't been good since the Legion of Boom days. And, you know, uh, Pete Carroll and, you know, this, this whole organization has just tried to replace uh, what they had on defense. They've tried to get good linebackers. They've tried to get a good secondary, but nobody has cut it. None of their recent replacements have cut it. I think Pete Carroll style of coaching is very outdated. I think, you know, you know, we saw him lose the Super Bowl because of a stupid call. He should have ran the ball and he just continues, you know, we, we continue to see him make stupid calls coaching wise. And I just don't think that he can be a reasonable or a good NFL coach anymore, at least for the Seattle Seahawks. I think they're going to move on from him either in a year or two. I don't think he's on a super hot seat, but I think, you know, it, it's very possible he could get fired or they could move on from him this off season. So I, I don't think he's done coaching in the NFL, but I, I don't think that he is going to be the Seattle Seahawks coach for the next year or two. I could not agree with you more. I think I, I really want to focus in on the point you made that his style of coaching is outdated at this point and the offense that they're running is just not working anymore. I think Pete Carroll is still a good coach and will be a good coach in the NFL. It's just that he's overstayed his welcome with the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are done being a good team in the NFL with this current regime with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and that if they don't move on this offseason, they're definitely moving on next offseason. But I would not be surprised at all to see Pete Carroll not be coaching the Seattle Seahawks next year. Yeah. Um, one, one last team that I'm going to talk about that could be looking to fire their coach is the New York Giants with Joe Judge. Joe Judge, I don't think he's been a, a bad coach since getting to the NFL level head coaching job that is with the Giants, but I think that he's still on a pretty hot seat at this point because I personally think the Giants are going to be cleaning house this year. I think Daniel Jones's days are very numbered with the Giants. I think Joe Judge's days are very numbered with the Giants, but only as a result that 
Dave Gettleman's days are definitely numbered with the uh, New York Giants. And with a new front office most likely coming in in New York, I think they're going to be looking to get their own guys. And as a result, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are going to be casualties of that, which not to say that they've been amazing and that they're blameless, but both of them, I think, deserve another chance to, to coach and play quarterback in the NFL. But unfortunately for them, I, I just don't think it'll be in New York next year. Yeah, I agree with you here. I think the Giants are clearing house. And I just wanted to say uh, the Giants were a team I thought was going to go far this year. I really thought they were going to surprise people. You know, they, they were set up to be that team, honestly. And I still feel like they probably could have if, you know, things didn't go the way they did. A lot of early injuries that, you know, just lingered throughout the season and are still lingering. Daniel Jones has an awful neck injury right now. And I think that we may have seen the last game of Daniel Jones as a starter for the Giants already, which is crazy to say, but we'll have to see. Um, Saquon obviously had that injury. Galladay has been injured all season. Shepard and Tony keep getting injured. And then you look on the defense. um, I thought their defense was going to be a top 10 defense this year. And they have the guys who, you know, could make up a top 10 defense, but just haven't quite lived up to expectations. I loved the Aziz Ojolari pick in the last draft. Um, I love some of the other guys they've just gotten or, or had over you know the last year or two, but just haven't quite been able to make up that top 10 defense. And it's honestly been kind of upsetting. Um, you know, I think Joe Judge, like you said, isn't an awful coach, but he's definitely going to take the fall for this one. I think everyone's leaving and the Giants are just going to go full on rebuild mode after this year because, you know, uh, fans do not like to see their team just keep losing and losing and losing like they are. That's that's pretty much out of control for the Giants fans, considering how much they do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty crazy, but go Eagles, (laughs) go Eagles. Yes. Okay. And the last coach on this on that we're going to be talking about is Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is his first season um, with the Jaguars. And this is a guy who, before the season even started, already making some questionable moves. And, you know, early season, he had that incident happen. And the Jaguars, you know, they have won two games, but they've had a very ugly season. You have guys like Trevor Lawrence, first-year quarterback, a guy who you want to develop and want to make into a superstar if you're a head coach who's already questioning questioning moves you're making, we had Trevor Lawrence come out last or earlier this week and say that he thought it was stupid that James Robinson got benched as he's their best player. And I think I agree with that. I know James Robinson's injured, but you can't bench him. Come on. What are you doing here, Urban? Um, I honestly am not sure what's going to happen with Urban Meyer. Um, I personally think he should be fired. I don't think he's a good coach at all. I think Trevor Lawrence has, you know, it's too early to say this, but he has been or played below expectations so far as a rookie. And that's not really entirely his fault, but, you know, he's looking like he could be a bust. I'm not going to, like I said, too early to call, um, but I don't think Urban Meyer is the right guy to bring up Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's the right guy to run an offense. I don't think he knows what he's doing defensively. He got a lot of, you know, speed guys and, guys who could have potential on the defense side of the ball, but none of them have been utilized too great so far. They've been torched a lot and it, it's just been very ugly. So I, I honestly don't think that he's going to get fired um, at the end of this year, but I think he should get fired 
and we'll just have to see what happens there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to give him another shot next year. I think he'll probably get fired midseason next year, but I think they really should fire him now. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, what do you think on that, Alex? I'm just curious. I want to hear what you think they're going to do with him. Michael, um, calling Trevor Lawrence, they're saying that Trevor Lawrence could be a bust this early is 100% blasphemous. Guys, played, guys, let me interject. Guys even let played me interject. Here. Let me talk. Yes, I know. I know it's blasphemous. I said it's too early to call. I mean, I just, I wanted to emphasize the point that he has looked very, very bad for, for no, how much. He's not like Dwayne Haskins or Josh Rosen. Like he hasn't, he hasn't lit it up, but like, come on now. He and the whole Jacksonville offense have looked very bad. And I don't think he's a bust, but what I'm saying, what I'm more alluding to is I think if Urban Meyer stays the coach for three, four, five years, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to excel at all over that time. I think very clearly Trevor or Urban Meyer has no clue what he's doing with this offense, with this team. I just want to point out um, Trevor Lawrence has not thrown a multiple touchdown game since week one. Since week one, he's only had one touchdown. And there's been games where he hasn't even thrown a touchdown. He has nine picks to 10 touchdowns or nine touchdowns to 10 picks right now. 58% completion percentage. His passer rating is awful. And it's not like Jacksonville doesn't have weapons. It's just bad coaching, in my opinion. I think that Urban Meyer needs to go. I honestly do. Yeah, to go back to your earlier question of what what I think is going to happen, with all the other coaches that we talked about, you can kind of figure out what's going to happen. Like I'm, I'm leaning towards one direction there. Um, Joe judge, I think is going to get fired. Vic Fangio. I think is safe with urban Meyer. I am 100% stumped. I have no idea what's going to happen with urban Meyer. I can easily see them firing him at the, at the end of the season with the way the players have spoken out against them. And with all the controversy that happened earlier this year, but at the same time, I can, just as easily see him getting another year to quote unquote develop Trevor Lawrence. So I, I actually cannot give you a straight answer for this one. I am puzzled. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I think they keep him one more year or at least half another year. I think he gets fired halfway, but I think they should fire him right now. I just want to say that I'm also stumped. It's a very tough situation, but yeah, uh, those are our opinions on coaches in the hot seat. Next, we're going to be talking about some quarterbacks and some quarterback situations. We're only going to do a couple of them, but we just wanted to talk in depth because there's a lot of things going on with quarterbacks right now in this season specifically. So let's see. Uh, first, I think we should talk a little bit about the Miami Dolphins and Tua. Nothing crazy. We've already covered Tua before, but you know the Dolphins have went on a, li- a little win streak here. And I don't think it's necessarily because of Tua, but the Dolphins have, you know, they've won, I believe, five I don't have row. the numbers pulled up. Five but in a row. Five in a row. Yep. So they've, they've been very good the last five games. And, you know, Dolphins fans are starting to have some hope. Tua, like I said, I mean, I don't think he's been great, but Alex, do you think Tua is their franchise guy? Well, before I say anything on that, uh, the Dolphins are on a five-game win streak but they've played one real team in those five games. It's just the way, the way Denver started three and zero. everyone was like, Oh, Denver is going to be such a good team, but they beat like Jacksonville and both New York teams. So that doesn't really count. Miami has beat 
in this last five game win streak. They beat Houston, Baltimore, the Jets, the Panthers, and the Giants. One Fair NFL enough. caliber team there. But with Tua, I think it's pretty simple, actually, what's going to happen with him. If there's an upgrade available, like a marginal upgrade, uh, they're going to go for it. If not, they're going to keep him. I, I think it's it's that simple. I don't know that there's – because Tua's not a bad quarterback. He's he's all right, and he can definitely win you some games, but I don't know how much he's elevating your team. So if someone that can elevate your team is available, they're going to jump on it, and if not, Tua's the starter next year. Yeah, I honestly think Tua's just going to be the starter next year. And that may contradict some things I said in past episodes. I don't really know. But just thinking about it, I mean, like you said, Tua's not an awful quarterback. He's he's decent. And one thing that kind of is crazy to me is that the Dolphins seem to win games when he's quarterback. And I know winning isn't a quarterback stat. I know you can't just throw that out there. But, you know, Tua hasn't been awful in the games that he's won. He's He's been decent. He hasn't necessarily met expectations, especially in a quarterback class where, you know, you took – Herbert was taking a pick later. So, you know, when you think about that, you know, it's pretty crazy. But um, he hasn't quite lived up to expectations, but I don't think they move on from him yet. I think they'll keep him another year. And I honestly don't think they'll go and upgrade or look for an upgrade, at least not yet. So, yeah, I think they keep him another year. I don't think he's a franchise guy yet, but they keep him another year, see what happens. So there are a few teams that I could mention for the other quarterback that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like like Seattle, Russell Wilson could be gone, but not because he's bad anymore. But Carolina, I think we know that they're getting a new quarterback. Atlanta, they can't get anyone new because they're paying Matt Ryan boatloads of money. Yep. Um, San Francisco, we know Jimmy G is gone after this year because they drafted Trey Lance. So what I'm going to go ahead and talk about is Washington with Taylor Heineke. Um, okay. Taylor Heineke is the new big story of the NFL. Everyone loves Taylor Heineke. He's just, he's the, he's this guy that just came out of nowhere and almost beat the Super Bowl champions in the playoffs last year. And now has started the whole year for Washington, but I, I just don't see it. He's got some nice traits. He like, he's a football player. I would, I would describe him that way, but I don't see him as a long-term starter in the NFL. And I think that Washington is going to push hard to get a, a real good quarterback this year i think they're going to try and trade up in the draft to get someone like a matt corral or just another star in the draft which this draft is a little lacking in the star quarterbacks but i think washington is on a timeline here because the eagles next the eagles have one more year of being bad the giants are going to be bad for the next couple years so that only really leaves dallas for washington to compete with and washington's roster is very good right now outside of quarterback and i think washington once they get a star quarterback, they're going to win a lot of games, which does not entice me as an Eagles fan, but I think it's going to happen. And I think Taylor Heineke, he's, he's nothing more than a long-term backup. He's a, like, he's a guy that you want on your team and you want him as the backup, but you really just don't feel comfortable with him as your starter. Fair enough. Now it's time to hear my opinion. So <laughs> first off, I want to say, I think, I do think that modern day NFL fans, coaches, people in general have become way too jumpy on getting new quarterback, upgrading quarterback. I think, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously you need a good quarterback to do anything in the league, but I think before you get that good quarterback, you have to build up your team to the point where it's ready. And I think a lot of people just aren't quite, you know, thinking 
on that. I think, you know, the team has to be ready before you get that superstar quarterback, because we've seen so many teams go into a draft or go into a trade, try to get the guy who they think is going to be next up and then just not have the team to support them and not have the team to win with that new quarterback. And I just think, you know, um, people are, you know, look at stats too much. I mean, yeah, stats are important, but it's more so how the player and how the quarterback puts your team in a position to win and what they do to do that. You know, I'd rather have a quarterback who could throw, who throws four picks in a game, but still finds a way to win it than a quarterback who, you know, takes just all the easy passes, but, you know, can't get anything moving downfield. So, um, but I just wanted to say that that has nothing to do with your take. I just wanted to emphasize that. Um, I actually disagree with you, though, about this Washington take and Taylor Heineke. I think he's been real solid so far this year. Almost 68% completion percentage. He's on pace to throw almost 4,000 passing yards, um, 18 touchdowns to 11 picks. He's been pretty good, and he's been good on his feet. He's found he's led Washington to a pretty decent season so far. They're second in the NFC East. And I do agree he's not the long-term solution, but I just don't, like I said, I don't think Washington, uh, what I said with my take just a minute ago, I don't think Washington's in that position to go after their next franchise quarterback. I think Taylor Heineke is the starter next season. And I think, like you said, that 2023 NFL draft is so loaded with talent at the quarterback. I think that they go for a quarterback that year. So I think Heineke stays the starter for another year after this one. But I do agree with you, though, that I don't think he's a long-term solution, although I do think he's been pretty good this year. That's the thing, though. Washington has some really good players. Their defensive line is stacked, and they have some guys in the secondary, too, like Cameron Curl. Their offensive skill positions are really good. They have Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, along with McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Diami Brown is another young guy in the receiving core. Not to mention Logan Thomas, who actually just is out for the season now. But I think a, a real star quarterback is going to elevate that team. But, you know. No, I, I do agree with you. I just – I don't know if they're going to find that star quarterback in this draft. I do like some of the prospects. But like you said, I think the 2023 draft is just much better suited for that. And I still think that they have young enough guys on the offense and defense that they can – even wait another year or two before finding their franchise guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're going to need, they're going to have a lot of competition in 2023 though. The Eagles are going to be drafting a quarterback in 2023. The lions potentially will Seattle potentially could. So I, I don't know. I think this year might have to be their year and just hope that even though the, the quarterbacks are a little underrated that one of them becomes a star. I mean, that, that's a fair take. We'll have to see what happens. Um, but yeah, uh, so we just talked about some two, two quarterback situations and two team situations. And next, we're going to talk a little bit about awards just very quickly, uh, what our predictions are so far. First, let's get into the MVP award. This award usually is, there's usually a front runner or someone who you're like, wow, this player is winning MVP. And I, this year, that that's just not the case. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is ranked as the second highest or most likely chance to win MVP, but his numbers are way down and he hasn't had quite the impact that he's had even, even last year, you know, in the prior years that he's won MVP. Um, I do not think Aaron Rodgers is a noteworthy candidate. I don't think he should be even in contention right now to win MVP. I mean, he's been good, but 
the Packers have just won. That's the only reason why he's there. So it's definitely a weird year. Um, but, you know, the MVP is still a quarterback award. And I think there's been just one quarterback who has been great, you know, hasn't been the best in every single game, but has been noticeably the best quarterback at their position so far. And that's Tom Brady. And, you know, I hate to say that I, I don't like Tom Brady. I'm just going to be real, but you can't deny how good of a player he is and what he's been doing this year. He's been much better than he was at the start of 2020 with the Bucks. So I think we have to give him recognition there. I have him as my front runner for MVP. I, I got to agree with you there. There's nobody that's really jumping out at me like, a, like, an oh my gosh, they're having such a great season. They deserve MVP. So I, I don't like to just agree with you blindly, but I have to pick Tom Brady here. Yeah. There's no Fair other enough. choice. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like you just said, there's no other choice. I think, I mean, Tom Brady, as of right now, going into week 14 needs to be the MVP in everybody's mind. So, yeah. Uh, do you want to do offensive player of the year? Yeah. I, I yeah. think that there is one very, very, very clear choice for offensive player of the year. And that's going to be the Colts running back, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has been the straight up engine of that offense this year with our favorite player, Carson Wentz, a quarterback. Jonathan Taylor has been making Wentz's life really easy. And he's had some explosions, like 200 plus yard rushing games. He had five touchdowns against the Bills. And so the offensive player of the year, it can be won by a quarterback, but usually the offensive player of the year is essentially just the best non-quarterback offensive player. And I think that has to be Jonathan Taylor this year. That's very valid take. I do think, I mean, we talked to this a little bit about this earlier, but I do think that Jonathan Taylor should be considered in the MVP uh, conversation with how bad quarterbacks have been this year. I don't think he should win it over Brady, but I do think he should be considered. I do think Jonathan Taylor will win offensive player of the year. And I do think that's a good choice. Although I would like to interject. I do think Justin Jefferson and Cooper cup do pose a threat. Cooper cup, um, has had a great season, 100 catches, 1,366 yards right now, 11 touchdowns through 14 weeks, and I'm pretty sure 13 games, for the, or 12 games for the Rams. They had their bye? They've had their bye, yeah. So, yeah, so 12 games. That, that's pretty ridiculous. He's on pace to have one of the best years from a wide receiver we've seen in a while. It is in the slot, so a little bit weaker coverage than some of these other bigger names. But still, I mean, we do have to give credit to Cooper Cup. I do think he does – is in that conversation, although I do put Taylor over Cup as of right now. And Jefferson, I would put at number three. But yeah, I do agree with Taylor. Um, nothing more I think we can say on that. And now let's talk about defensive player of the year very quickly. Um, it comes down, there's there's many guys who could be considered for this. Um, but I think it's between two right now, two front runners, actually three if you consider another guy. But I'm going to say between Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. And TJ Watt, as of right now, should win this award. 16 sacks, four forced fumbles. He's made the big plays when it mattered. Um, he's not getting the coverage he deserves because the Steelers are not a good team this year. But that being said, um, he should win it as of right now. Miles Garrett's a close second. And I do think Miles Garrett may win it if TJ Watt's groin injury is something serious. But we'll have to see what happens with that. Do you agree, Alex? Um, yeah, I do agree that. If TJ Watt keeps up the pace that he's at right now, which we don't know, obviously, because of his injury now, I think TJ Watt would be a little bit comfortable as the winner. But Miles Garrett has also had an incredible season. The sack numbers aren't quite there, but I think that 
voters could overlook that and see that he's been dominant. Uh, one sleeper, like deep, deep sleeper, is Micah Parsons for the Cowboys. They've That's been the third guy I was talking about. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he, he's been incredible for them, especially. I was not a Micah Parsons fan. I didn't think he had a defined role in the NFL coming out of the draft. I thought he was kind of just a guy that he, he relied a lot on his athleticism and that he may, may not have had the football IQ, but he has certainly proved me wrong. He's been amazing for the Cowboys. Yeah. He seemingly plays at a different speed than everybody else on the field. And he is definitely, I think the defensive rookie of the year. We're not going to talk about that, but yeah, that's my opinion on that. There are a couple other guys you can consider. Ramsey, uh, Judon has had a great year. Uh, Aaron Donald, every year you can consider him. But yeah, I do think it's between those three guys. And I think it's between TJ Watt and Miles Garrett, like you said. Um, there's a big argument you can make on that. Miles Garrett is the better rusher. He wins um, pass rush percentage. His pass rush percentage win rate is much higher than TJ Watt's is. But TJ Watt has made more of the splash plays. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go TJ Watt with that. But, yeah, it's definitely a close case. We, there's definitely arguments on both sides there. Yeah, I don't know that there's much else to say there. Okay. And so the final segment of this episode, Alex and I are going to do some rapid-fire game predictions. Nothing crazy, not too much analysis, maybe, I don't know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds per each game. But we're just going to go through each game this weekend – and we're going to talk about our predictions for them. So I will start first. We have the Ravens and Browns uh, divisional matchup. This is pretty crazy game. Both teams haven't been living up to expectations as of recent, but I have the Ravens winning this one in a narrow victory. I think Lamar is going to play a little bit better than he has the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I think they win by touchdown. All right. Next, we have the Jaguars at the Titans. And I think the Titans stink. But at the same time, there's not much else to say. It's the Jaguars, Titans by multiple yep. scores. <laughs> yep, I agree with that one. Next, Raiders versus Chiefs. Uh, two teams, another divisional matchup. The Chiefs' defense has played very well as of recent. Mahomes and this offense still can't quite get things together. Raiders and Derek Carr have had a very underrated season, in my opinion. But that being said, I have the Chiefs in this one. I think Mahomes has a pretty decent game. Maybe Travis Kelsey gets back on track. Maybe Tyree Kill does. I think Chiefs win this one by three to five points. Uh, next, we have the Saints at the Jets. And this one, I have a little bit of a hot take that might have me looking really stupid by next week. But I'm going to go ahead and say the Jets win in a narrow victory, maybe by three points. I think the Saints are really bad with Taysom Hill at quarterback and actually with anyone besides Jameis Winston at quarterback, along with all their injuries. Kamara is back, but I still think the Jets are going to win barely. I like that. I agree with that. We'll see. We may look stupid, but we'll see. Um, next game, another divisional matchup. Lots of them this week. Very exciting. We have the Dallas Cowboys versus the Washington football team. We talked about Taylor Heineke already. Not going to get into that. Uh, Dallas Cowboys have been in a bit of a slump as of recent, but their guys are getting healthier. Uh, Dak is obviously going to be the superstar of the show here with uh, Pollard and Zeke both being hurt. So we'll have to see what happens there. But I still think the Cowboys win this one. I think they win by a score or two. I think they uh, prove to everybody that they're still the good team that they were at the beginning of the season. As much as I hate to say it, Cowboys are going to win this one. Yeah, you mentioned exciting divisional matchups this week. And uh, I do have a divisional matchup here as the next game, but it is definitely going to be far from exciting. 
I have the Falcons versus the Panthers, which are two miserable offensive teams, and they're pretty bad on defense themselves. Uh, but ultimately, I think I'm going to have to go with the Panthers, even though they're going to be starting Cam Newton again. They're the home team, and that pretty much gets them the win to me by a field goal. Yeah, I can tell you love Cam Newton. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Next game, Seahawks versus Texans. Two very mediocre teams this year. And, I mean, I just can't put the Texans I, – I just can't pick the Texans with this one, though. I think Russell Wilson may play a little bit better this week, maybe get DK the ball a little bit. I don't think the Texans are going to do anything crazy. I think the Seahawks win this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, uh, I got another hot take coming here. I have the Lions at the Broncos. Give me the Detroit Lions, 10-point underdogs. But we're not talking Ooh. against spread. I think the Lions are going to win outright. Uh, I am a very, very strong opponent of the Denver Broncos. I think Denver is a really bad team. And I think the Lions are going to keep that win streak going, two in a row. Wow. We'll see. Next game, I got Giants versus Chargers. This one should be no surprise to, to anybody listening. The Chargers are going to win this one. Daniel Jones is hurt. The whole Giants team is hurt. Justin Herbert has looked great this year. I think he continues the mojo and gets a nice and comfortable win. I'm going to say 20-point win over the Giants. Oof. Next, I have the 49ers at the Bengals. And I have been a very strong proponent of the 49ers this season. But I think that ultimately the, the absence of Eli Mitchell is going to hurt their offense so much so that they're not going to be able to move the ball as well. And that's going to give the Bengals a 10-point win, I'm going to go out and say. Okay. Next game, some could argue this is the game of the week, although there is one under this that is also considered for that uh, title. The Bills versus Buccaneers. You all know how I feel about the Bills if you've been listening to this. I just don't think they're quite there. And I think the Bucs are going to win this one by maybe 10 points. I think the Bills fall to seven and six. This will be a pretty exciting game, but Bucks are going to win this one. Sunday night football, we got the Bears at the Packers. And I mean, come on, Packers are the best team in the league and the Bears are coached by Matt Nagy. 14 point win for Green Bay. And the last game, like I said, this game could be considered game of the week, but who knows? we got Rams versus Cardinals, another very exciting divisional matchup. And this one, I'm going to go with a little bit of a hot take. Maybe not a hot take because both teams are great, but I'm going to take the Rams over the Cardinals. Uh, this did not happen when they played each other last time. The Cardinals got the best of the Rams. I think the Rams are starting to figure things out. I think they're going to beat the Cardinals by a field goal. I think it's going to come down to a Matt game, a Matt Gay game-winning field goal. And yeah. What indicated that, to you that the Rams are figuring things out? They, they I beat think Jackson, they do though. this week against the Cardinals. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. The Cardinals smoked them the last time, and the Rams have gotten worse since. I know. I can't see it happening. I mean, that's fair. We'll, we'll see what happens. Two very good teams. Cardinals definitely have the better record, but yeah. That finishes up our game predictions for the week. Uh, we'll see how many we got right at, uh, after this week's over. I'm not sure, but I like most of our picks there. So definitely feeling good about that. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about, Alex? I have set myself up to look extremely stupid on next week's episode, but <laughs> I have nothing else to add. Like I said, I'm, sti we'll I'm see. sticking to it. I like your picks. I like the Jets in that one. 
And yeah, I like the Lions too, honestly. So we'll have to see. We may look very stupid, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, uh, please tune in next week. Bye-bye.